Hello and welcome to the Independent Mums Handbook podcast. I'm your host Laura Carey. This podcast series interviews mothers and discusses their experiences of motherhood. Each week we'll interview a different woman and hear her story. We'll hear from my mum, new mums, thinking about your mums, nearly their mums and seasoned mums. This week we have Rachel. Rachel, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Hi there. Um, I'm 37. I work in marketing for a fashion house. Currently single, currently no kids. Okay, so what do you think about the idea of having children? Oh, for as long as I can remember kids have always been in my plans. I come from quite a big family. I am one of eight. Um, so the thought of not having children in my life, it's never even occurred to me. It's always been in the plans. Okay, so you're 37 and you're single. What stopped you from having children so far? I would say the fact that I've not met the right person I haven't been or I haven't called anyone my boyfriend for over 10 years there's obviously been people in that time but no one that I've really considered oh okay yeah you're someone who I can see myself having a family with Okay, so what would this, this guy look like that you could see yourself having a family with? Oh, I think that person has definitely changed over the years. But I think it's ultimately someone that that I trust in that partnership with myself. Someone that I trust that they're also family orientated, that they're ready to start a family someone that I can see fitting in with my family, someone that I can see myself fitting in with their family. And I guess I've just not found my person yet. You've not met that person yet. So what what are you doing to find your person? (laughs) See, now that's the thing. I've got I've got a set of friends that I've met mostly through work and they're of the whole app phase generation, whatever you want to call it. So every time I'm kind of out with them or I see them, have you joined an app? And I'm like, no. And it's not that I have any sort of judgment against that. But call me silly. I always my response is always I want my story. I want that story to be able to tell the grandkids of how me and granddad met. And they're mm. always like, you can have your story though. Story is you swiped for right, and you went to this amazing place for your first day, and you had amazing time. And I don't know why I'm such. Well, I do know. I'm so stubborn. I really am. But I just feel that's not my story that I swiped right. And don't get I know a lot of people who have started relationships, gone on to get married, gone on to have babies from being on an app. Mm. But it's just, I think it's really hard for me because I know what it's like to have met someone in person and had that initial vibe with them and just all those initial stages that you just, you don't get when you join an app. So maybe maybe I'm holding on to that too much. Mm. Maybe I'm putting obstacles in my way unnecessarily, but I am an eternal optimist. So, yeah. 
So I'm going to have to pick up the point of maybe you're putting obstacles in your way. Why do you think that you would put obstacles in your way? Well, I could so easily join an app. I mean, how many apps are there out? I've got so many options at my fingertips, literally at my fingertips, to go onto my phone right now, download five, match with God knows how many people. Mm. But there's just something within me that's just, I just, I don't know why I can't bring myself to do it. And it's not to say, I've been, again, with my friends and they've created accounts for me. And I've, I've got a couple of accounts floating out there in the cloud. Mm. And I don't know, there's just something that within me that just rejects everything about it. So what is your story? In an ideal world, what would be your story? In an ideal world, I don't know, bumping into someone in a coffee shop, in a restaurant, don't get me wrong, we don't go out like we used to do, even pre-COVID, it's not like I'm out in the clubs, I'm out in the bars, but it's just, also I think my problem is I'm a hopeless romantic and I watch way too many rom-coms. Mm. And it's just that I don't even if it's out shopping, doing the food shop, and it's just yeah, that initial you don't see it come in, that conversation, that yeah. I can see why you wouldn't want to use an app to be honest. I mean you, you don't exactly get that many desirable people in there. You've got to wade for a lot. Um kiss a lot of frogs to get your prince charming. And I've seen um, my friends do it. And sometimes, yeah, on one hand, it's great. But mm. on the other hand, and again, this isn't passing judgment, but I've just kind of seen the way they've interacted with it. And they get all hyped up for the first, I don't know, couple of days. And then a week, two weeks later, it's soul destroying because you're right, you have to swipe through quite a lot of frogs and sometimes sometimes you get into that mindset of right okay I've ticked all these criteria boxes bing bang bosh you're going to return to me my prince charming and sometimes it's not actually that straightforward either yeah I think that's one of the big issues when you're dealing with people so complex aren't they we, we could we don't fit into an org algorithm is the word isn't it Exactly. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that you meet him in Sainsbury's or <laughs> wherever you do your shopping. So you're single, you're wanting a family, absolute no-go. In the politest possible way, Rachel, you're over 35. Things start going a bit down here after that. How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts around that? So again, I think I mentioned it earlier, I am the eternal optimist. I'm, I'm a Pisces. I do quite live in my own little fantasy world sometimes. But I think, I think the last year to 18 months, obviously, everyone kind of had to stop. And it just gave me that opportunity to really start to think about things and the way I started looking at the last 18 months as well was almost that was literally a year of my life that was gone in a blink of an eye and I'm not getting back as as with most people and mm. I think I was starting to see because we went into lockdown literally just after my birthday and we kind of came out of lockdown, like really came out of lockdown again, just after my next birthday. So for me, I would literally spent that year of my life in lockdown. And I think I just started to come at it from a new mindset of, okay, yes, actually, I'm not getting any younger. Mm. And... 
I am going to start to get to that stage where actually it's going to be perhaps, I mean, who knows, but perhaps that little bit harder. Mm. And I can be the eternal optimist as much as I like, but, and also the eternal fantasist, but there comes a point where actually you need to start taking matters into your own hands and actually taking a bit more control of things. And I know some people would say, well, you can do exactly that by joining an app, but that wasn't the route that I wanted to go down. So I guess in this, just trying to keep those dreams alive of being a mum one day and through conversations with a couple of friends, also someone that I know that's been through it, I decided to go down the route of, okay, I'm not with anyone right now. Let's prove my egg. Okay, I thought he was going to say that you were going to like use a sperm donor or something, but you've gone down the route of freezing your eggs. So tell us a bit more about that decision. I mean, the sperm donor, it did come up. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know if this is me just being stubborn or... Because I come from a big family, like I said earlier, I'm one of eight kids. I actually only have one, let's say, full sibling. That's my younger brother. All mm. of my other siblings, they're half-siblings. And it's not to... I've never seen them as half-siblings, but they are. And mm -hmm. I'm not close with all of them. There's two like the very eldest two that I actually don't speak to through no one's fault no it's just they're a lot older I didn't grow up with them they perhaps didn't have the best relationship with my dad mm -hmm. but I always knew about them I from the as long as I could remember I've always known about all of my siblings whether I have a relationship with them or not so for me, going down the sperm donor route, I always had in the back of my mind, I'm never going to be able to tell my child, my children, whether they have siblings out there, because I just, I wouldn't know. And I don't know, I never really looked into it. So I don't even know if it is a possibility that, okay, you do get to find out that information, but I just kind of felt there would still be so many holes that I probably wouldn't be able to fill for them because do they tell you how many other donors that they've given to? Do they tell you where all the other kids are and can you make contact with them? Like mm. if I wanted to right now, I could pick up the phone and call my two very eldest siblings. I know mm -hmm. exactly where they are. But it, I just don't have that relationship. That's why I don't. But I, I know about them. I know where they are. If I wanted to get in contact with them, I could. And they are from my dad's side. And again, my dad was never, they were never a secret. It was always very open. I've seen them like a handful of times. But mm. it was always, if I wanted to ask anything about them, I could ask my dad, I could even ask some of my other older siblings, and I could easily get an answer. And I just kind of felt, I felt like if I, were, if I wasn't in a position to be able to provide those answers to my children, is that going to leave a, a hole for them? Is that going to leave a hole for me? Because I'd love to be able to know whether you come from a family that's together from day dot like whether you come from a family where you have two parents in that household or you have one parent in that household and perhaps another parent that's gone on to have a family or has had a family prior mm. I feel like knowing those 
absolutely you've still got that way to ask those questions and find those find those answers out and i just i wasn't sure how i would be able to deal with not giving my children those answers that they may potentially have i mean who knows they may not but mm. so another question that would pop to come to mind is um i suppose to go down the donor route would would mean that you are literally doing it on your own there would be no output or input from the father because that's that's the agreement isn't it but it is tricky isn't it trying to find so do you want to share with us what's on your list I guess it really just comes down to I've always seen myself with four kids I've always mm. seen myself married before I have children I've always seen myself having the time to enjoy and experience being someone's wife before I become someone's mum. Mm -hmm. But maybe, maybe I don't get to be someone's wife before I become someone's mum because time isn't on my side. I mean, I could meet my ideal partner tomorrow can I wait another two years before they maybe propose then I don't know another year to 18 months before we maybe get married and then who knows how long from there it could take me to get pregnant mm. or do I just say do you know what I'm secure enough in this relationship not tomorrow but Mm. let's think about having a baby in a year's time maybe and then the marriage the wedding that can come later a balance or a compromise between your ideal and where you are at the moment it's so tricky and I think rightly or wrongly so I've got this whole long list of boxes that I want checked and Surely I've got to come to a point where I'm, okay, maybe that one can't be checked or mm. maybe that one can't be checked. And it's that I need to come to a point in my life where I'm, is that me just being realistic or is that me settling? And I think that's where I am, I'm at at the moment in, in that battle with myself of settling versus being realistic about it. What's the difference between settling and being realistic? I think for me personally, settling for me, I wouldn't be at peace. So if there's certain things on my list that I, I can't check off, mm -hmm. if I'm not at peace with not checking them off, that's me settling me being realistic is going okay off my list of 20 things there's five i can't check off for whatever reason mm. and i'm okay with that how long are the eggs frozen for i want to say i want to say 10 years um it may actually be, be a little bit longer but mm -hmm. 10 years it's kind of what sticks in my mind right now. So, I mean, from an, an egg availability, I mean, that's fine. But I guess, obviously, do I really want to be having kids in 10 years' time? Probably not. Um, but also, it's a whole process as well, because I'm fortunate to have quite a few eggs that they were able to um, freeze but mm -hmm. that's just the very beginning part of the process it's how many eggs are then able to defrost and stay in a good enough state to then create the embryos and then it's how many of those embryos that actually are created and then 
how many of those that actually then take. So yes, I've got a healthy amount in the freezer now, but that's not to say all of those will go on or get to the very end stage. So can you just talk us through the process? Yeah, so and it, it took me a while to kind of even get over the hurdle of going through or making the decision to freeze my eggs because again it wasn't part of the story I had in my head Mm. so for me to then be at peace with changing that route I looked into it and I looked to see the different hospitals out there the different clinics out there it's by no means a cheap option Um, Mm. and also just by talking to a couple of people who've also had it done and just their recommendations of where they where they had it done I am I finally settled on the Hertfordshire and Essex Clinic mm-hmm. and they were really good. You can have a, well, maybe this was because it was um, during COVID times, but you attend an online webinar and they basically talk you through the process, talk you through the options. And it wasn't just a case of talking through purely freezing your eggs. They talk mm. about sperm donor process they talk about creating the embryo process they give a whole kind of view a whole 360 view of I guess anyone who's struggling to conceive naturally what all the different options are so I attended that seminar and then at the end they they send you a bit of a follow-up email just to see if you have any further questions if you need any further information and I kind of decided to bite the bullet and book a consultation and again it was done all online and it was done in such a way because obviously it's such a it is quite a sensitive topic because you just don't know anyone's story and why they're struggling or why they're finding it a challenge to have kids so the way in which they handled it just made me feel really comfortable with the whole process because there was in the beginning stages this whole thought process on my side of not shame but embarrassment of having to do this Mm. but they made me feel so comfortable and you just don't realize how actually common it is and they gave me all the the relevant information and there was a point where we had just come out of lockdown and I was able to go into the clinic kind of get a feel for it firsthand speak to a couple of the nurses in person and you have to have you have to do this part in person you have to have a blood test I forget the type of blood test it is but it basically gives you a reading of I want to say your egg count or your potential egg count or I need to look into that and come back to you just to give you the right name so Mm. I went into the clinic I had the test and then I had the consultation a few days later again with the doctor and he actually he said to me Okay, a healthy number would have been, again, I'm making this up because I can't remember. It was quite a while ago now. But a healthy number that he would have liked to have seen for someone of my age um, would have been, let's say, between 15 and 25. Mm. When I got the results back, he basically told me my number was plus 75. Oh, wow. Actually, through that process, that I found out I actually had polycystic ovaries. Um, that's what the higher number indicated. 
and mm. he had said to me that actually I probably would have found it challenging to have gotten pregnant naturally even when I whenever I was in the ready or position to start trying so mm. I was kind of like okay actually that's a positive I took from, from the process because I could have been trying for god knows how long not getting pregnant and not knowing why and this isn't to say that everyone with polycystic ovaries will have trouble but mm. they, I guess they say on a case-by-case basis that that's what it kind of indicated so I took that as a positive I was like okay now I know at the age of 37 I finally know because I had no signs I'd never been told anything like that before so I took that as a positive um, and then they kind of talked me through obviously because I did have polycystic ovaries they didn't want to overstimulate my eggs because there's mm. a risk with polycystic ovaries that you can overstimulate and that wouldn't that's not good so it then meant that I was actually on a lower dose of drugs and they talked me through the process they talked me through the type of injections I would need to take how often I would need to take them and it all starts off relatively easy you have these pen injections where they're ready made you take them at the same time every day job done and then mm. you, you start to go into the more complex injections where you have to start mixing the drugs yourself you're making the needles yourself not making the needles but mm. attaching the needle equipment yourself and all of this actually you unless you have someone with you or you're in a relationship you then also have to be be prepared to inject yourself and I think I was more worried about injecting myself because I've never done anything like that before um I've had low blood sugar levels in the past so the most I've had to do is that tiny little finger prick where you take the blood sample and you check your sugar levels these mm. were full-on needles that you would easily go to the doctors and they would give you an injection for I don't know xyz so for me the part in which I was most dreading was injecting myself when it actually came to it that was actually for me that was a breeze what I had I had really underestimated was the effect the drugs and the hormones would have on me and that's the part I didn't enjoy and I know it sounds silly because you're like well obviously you're injecting hormones into you of course you're going to feel a certain type of way but I think I just maybe I was a bit naive to that and I'm such a quiet person and being single and I've not told very many people that I've even done this Mm. So I, I kind of struggle to have an outlet when I'm or when I was injecting myself and having all these different hormones inside of me and I just didn't feel like myself. But I guess I just have to keep coming back to the fact that it's two weeks. It's two weeks of my life. It's two weeks of hormones in a confined space. I mean, we have hormones once a month when you have your period. So it's fine. I can do this. But I think that, yeah, that's the one area I maybe underestimated. And you go in, you have to go into the clinic in that two-week period. I think every third or fourth day and they give you scans to see how the eggs are stimulating to see how many more you're producing to see how big they're getting and Mm. I think I maybe went in a few more times just because they were so conscious of 
making sure that I, I wasn't being overstimulated. And they kind they were tracking your they track your process your progress sorry. And they can kind of estimate okay, this is going to be the good day in terms of your egg retrieval, and they get you booked in, and that's when it starts to become surreal. Mm. Oh, okay, this is what I've been leading up to for those two weeks, and. You go into the clinic, it is nerve-wracking because you're like, you don't know how many, they give you an estimation of how many eggs they think you have in you, but that's not to say that's how many they're going to be able to retrieve, that's not to say that's how many that go into survive the retrieval process, that's mm. not to say that's how many that will mature to be able to be frozen, so there's all these thoughts running through your head and especially if especially I guess if you're by yourself because you don't have that and I mean I could have taken my mom I could well actually because we were in, we were in COVID I, I actually couldn't have but I think because I was seeing partners in the reception and waiting room um it just it kind of made me think oh okay it made it even more real that I was doing this by myself mm. and I mean I don't know if it's not I don't know if it's a case that it's not a viable option mm. don't get me wrong I don't think for one minute being a single parent is easy mm-hmm. even if you're in a relationship I don't think it's easy being a parent but I have enough belief, let's say, that I could do it by myself. Mm-hmm. I am fortunate to have a lot of family around me that I know I would have that support. But again, I don't know if it just comes down to my stubbornness or that idea that I've got in my head of what my family looks like. And there's a partner there doing it with me. So Yeah. Again, they talk you through the process and they were so lovely. I got to meet the the nurse that was going to do the procedure. I got to meet um the doctor that was going to put me to sleep ahead of the procedure and they were just really reassuring at every single step. And it was it was over within 20 minutes. One minute I was lying there wide awake. Next minute I'm out cold. Next mm. minute I'm coming around again. So it is a very quick procedure. And they tell you before you leave the clinic, or they told me at least, how many eggs were retrieved. Mm-hmm. And then... I think it was later that afternoon in which they then called you back to say how many eggs matured and they were able to freeze. And even that process, that waiting game, that was that was stressful. And I did have a moment because I think they retrieved 30 eggs. And for someone of my size, I remember when I was coming around, Mm. the nurses were amazed at how many eggs I had inside me. But also, there was this moment where just before I had the the procedure, I was so swollen. My poor belly was so because I am quite little and there's mm. so many eggs inside of me and I remember I sent it to one of my friends and I was like look at this picture of my belly and I literally looked five months pregnant that's how swollen it was so yeah I came round and the nurses were like I can't believe you had 30 eggs inside of you and then I got the call that afternoon to say 18 had matured Mm -hmm. so even then there was that 
tinge of disappointment and by no 18 I completely realize and appreciate 18 is an amazing number like it really is but there's mm. that tinge of oh but those other 12 and I guess that kind of maybe started me overthinking of the following steps of defrosting, how many is going to survive that, creating the embryos, how many is going to survive that. So there's always still that worry there, but yeah, I'm out the other side now and I guess my future babies are just chilling. They are. So Rach, questions I've got. What were the side effects of the hormones? For me personally, it was just, I just did not feel like myself. And I don't think I suffer with PMS. Some people may say different, but I just don't feel like I can definitely tell when my periods come in. I can definitely feel when I'm bloated or feeling a little bit all out of sorts. But I think because the amount of hormones that I was injecting myself with, it's it's always going to be a lot for anybody to take. And I just did not feel like myself. I was maybe getting in my own head a little bit in terms of, oh, I can really feel that injection or the liquid in me and mm. going through my system. And there was a point where I was just like, I actually, I can't, wait for this to be over because I can't wait for all of these hormones to be out of me and I think they're really good at managing your expectations for clinic because they were like even after the egg retrieval it's going to take your body well as long as it needs to really but they were saying at least two three four months for the hormones to really leave your body because you have gone through such a condensed space of injecting yourself. Um, so it's going to take a while to come out of that and for the hormones to naturally leave your body. But yeah, the main thing for me was just not feeling like me. There was mm. no real mood swings. There was no real... There's no bleeding, nothing like that. It was just, yeah. After the eggs were taken, was there bleeding then? No, no, I was really fortunate. Hmm. It's a bit of a process and all this happened in two weeks. So from start to finish, from the first injection to egg retrieval, yeah, it was two weeks. And did they give you counselling? to make sure that this is correct for you or what's the process of your mental health going through this? They do offer it as a service. Um, if you want to speak to someone prior to the process, throughout the process, after the process, it is a service in which they offer. Mm. I think I didn't take them up on it. I don't even really know why I didn't take them up on it. I was think I was just so okay. I'm doing this. Let's just crack on. Mm. Just to clarify, this was through COVID, through the pandemic, through lockdown. Yes. Wow, that's a big decision to make. And do you live by yourself, or do you live at home with your parents? No, I live by myself. Okay, so you were going through this on your own literally by myself i was setting my alarm to take my injections there's morning injections there's evening injections setting my alarm to mix the injections that needed to be mixed and then yeah just kind of being by myself once my body was going through all these different emotions and did you take time off work or just work from home as normal? I was working from home as normal. I Because I was having to have the scans every three or four days. I mean, I guess I was fortunate enough for a silver lining of being in lockdown. 
because I could easily go to the hospital appointments rather than having to come all the way from London, go to them. I think that would have been a lot harder. So I was fortunate enough to have been able to have done that. Um, but yeah, I continued working throughout. I think I took the day of the egg retrieval, I took that off, but I was back to work the next day. Now oh, that's pretty powerful stuff. And I just have to say, because it wouldn't be me without saying this, you would rather retrieve your eggs than start a Tinder profile. <laughs> I mean, go figure, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you are definitely against online dating. We've, we've proved that. Brilliant. Wow. Yeah, deep stuff. Yeah, how are you feeling, Rachel? I think I think I've definitely come out of the other end of it. I think I had all these different emotions of within my main circle of friends, I am one of nine girls, I think. One of nine or one of ten. I can never remember. Mm. And I definitely had those moments of they haven't had to go through this. Why do I have to go through this? Mm. And I definitely had those moments of, why me? And I just kind of had to snap myself out of it because I know it's so cliche, but comparison is the biggest, absolute biggest, of joy in my opinion and again it was just something that I kind of had to flip on its head a little bit and see the positives of it I have always for as long as I can remember I've always wanted twin boys mm. as far as I know there's only one set of twins in my family my my mum's cousin, he has a set of twin boys. And I just started thinking to myself, actually, having to go down the IVF route, I mean, I know it's not guaranteed, but mm. there is a bigger chance there of having twins. Again, it could be twin girls, which I will happily take. But mm. I just had to start reframing some of the thoughts I was having and rather than why me why do I have to go through this even silly things like why do I have to pay all this money to go through this like most of my friends have had children without having to do this and start spinning it and being like oh my god I could actually have twins I could also have triplets or quadruplets so let's see how I manage with that yeah if that's a potential outcome of this then yeah bring it on we're definitely gonna have to have you back once you (laughs) and just you know because we can't you know end the story here i know i was comparing myself against my friends and having this big why me moment but i know some of my friends have struggled I probably mm. don't know the extent of all of their journeys. And so you, sometimes you just don't know what other people are going through. Um, I said earlier, only two of my friends actually know that I, I've done this process. So who really knows what other people's journeys have been to get to where they are with their kids? And also, you don't know what they've compromised. Exactly. Like you say, there's there's no point in looking at anyone else because you don't know. Yeah, the whole completely. the whole story. Completely, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors. So, what you're doing with, I don't know, sometimes rose tinted glasses, mm. might not actually be the case. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Pleasure. Yes, yeah, definitely not the end of your journey, is it? I think it's only the beginning. I really hope not. So before you leave us, Rachel, 
I would just like to ask, if you had a magic wand, is there anything you'd change about your journey so far? I think I probably would have done this, the whole egg freezing process earlier. Mm -hmm. Just, just for perhaps that extra, extra security maybe. I think, I'm not saying I left it too late because like I said, 18 eggs is an amazing number. Mm. But I think sometimes, me personally, I do. I put up unnecessary obstacles, and I could have done this earlier. But then, maybe at the same time, I wasn't ready to do this earlier. Mm. I think everything. I hate saying this because it's always it's a term that I actually really don't like. But I do think everything happens for a reason. But I think maybe at the point of me doing my egg retrieval or going through the whole egg freezing process, that's when I was ready to do it. And I think if you try and put too much pressure on yourself to maybe do it too early or, yeah, it's unnecessary stress. Maybe I would have looked into the research about it sooner to perhaps get myself comfortable to do it earlier. Mm. Do you still have a period? I do. So do you still have eggs? I do. And that's the other thing, because there's nothing to say I can't get pregnant naturally. And (laughs) that's the other annoying thing about me, because I am so stubborn, like I said several times. Now I'm in the mindset of, well, I've got 18 very good very good eggs in the freezer i am going to use those before using what any whatever may be inside of me so who knows i could get pregnant naturally i could go through the go down the ivf route you just don't know you got options rachel and i think that's the main thing i have got options And I'm glad I put myself in a position to have those options rather than continue to be, no, it'll happen one day. And then God forbid I get to that point where actually I left it too late. Do you think you'll get to a point where you haven't, if you don't meet someone and you just decide to go there, just to go alone never say never if you'd asked me five years ago would i have frozen my eggs i would have said no Mm. so never say never i know i have my hesitations about it i know i have my concerns about being able to tell my child about siblings or even where their dad's from and all of that but you just don't know Yeah, it's a tricky one because it's life, isn't it? You you can't control everything and you have to pick, to an extent, you have to pick your poison. Exactly. I think that's the biggest eye-opener for me because it has been such a journey to even just get to this point. And sometimes you do have to take a few left turns or change routes to get to your destination, I guess. And I suppose families look all different, don't they? Exactly. And it makes one family superior over another just because they've gotten there via, let's say, a more conventional method. Mm. Or traditional method. I, I don't even know what it is anymore, but yeah. Okay, and last, but by no means least, what can others learn from your journey? I think for me, there was a, rightly or wrongly so, there was this real sense of 
oh, she's freezing her eggs because she's still single. And that almost negative connotation or negative stigma that sometimes attaches itself to that. And I think, like we said, everyone's journey is different. And just perhaps because you don't see it as much as what you perhaps see families coming together in the more traditional sense doesn't mean this isn't still a viable option or a viable route that you should absolutely consider what's more important do you really want a family or do you really want to have kids or are you really just looking I guess it comes down to how much you want it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rachel. And um, thank you for sharing your story with us. I hope you found... Thank you for having me. And I hope you found it helpful. I really did. It has really been, I guess, therapeutic to kind of get it all out there. And I think you've, your stories will help a lot of people because it's something that we don't speak about. It's something that, not that I'd never heard of, but I've never known anyone who's ever considered it or gone down that route. So it's really refreshing to hear like a new story. And I think that's partly why I wanted to share it as well, because I only know one person who has gone down the route by themselves. And I know one person that has gone down the route with a partner. Mm. Other than that, it's, I'd say it's not that common knowledge. It's probably mm. common, it's probably not common knowledge. So anything I can do to perhaps make someone else a little bit more comfortable with that, I'm all for thank you for listening to rachel's journey if you want to find out more about what we do at the independent mums handbook then visit our website independentmumshandbook.co.uk i hope you've enjoyed the journey with us remember to tell your friends keep well laura Thank you.